Joshua, you're preaching to the choir here. Of course, we're all going to serve the Lord. But when Joshua calls for a decision, he's talking about something deeper than words. More than words. Welcome to Open the Bible. I'm David Pick. We're glad you've tuned in today. Colin, what is Joshua calling Israel to do here? Well, to make a new commitment, a new covenant. This is Joshua chapter 24, the renewing of the covenant with God. We're looking in this series, Faith with Questions, at different reasons why people stumble in the Christian life. And there are different reasons. Mm -hmm. We've looked at uh, sometimes people don't have a sufficient foundation. Today, we're looking at this issue that sometimes people want to carry along with them what Christ forbids them to carry to carry my sins. And so you end up being in, in a divided position. I, w- I want to be loyal to Christ, and yet I, I don't want to let go of what Christ tells me to leave behind. And yeah. that's exactly the position that God's people were in here. They were carrying along idols in their baggage. And uh, Joshua says, you can't do that. You've got to make a clear-cut commitment, and you're never going to make progress with God unless and until you do that. And so he calls them to it. And uh, that's the issue that's before us today. We see how Israel responded to that in today's message, so join us in Joshua chapter 24 as we continue the message, Divided Commitment. We're going to walk through three steps to decisive commitment, and we're going to see how they're modeled for us in the scripture, and then try and apply them directly to our own situations. Joshua and chapter 24. I want you to notice that as Joshua brings the people to, as it were, draw a line in the sand in regards to their commitment to the Lord, that the very first thing he does and the very first thing we need is to face the challenge. Great question. What does God want from me? What is the calling? Well, Joshua gives us a wonderful answer to that question right here. Verse 14. Fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Notice that name of God. He is the Lord. He calls me to a total exclusive commitment, whatever the cost and whatever the circumstances. And that commitment is that I will be his servant. Fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. So I come to that place of saying now, You are God, and I am your servant. And what that means is that my role in life is to do whatever you tell me to do. Well, that's the first step. If we are going to get out of the fog in which commitment is not possible to us, we have to start by hearing the call of God face the challenge. Here's the second step. Look at the alternatives. Now, notice the first line of verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, this is so practical and so helpful. See, Joshua knows that it's one thing for him to stand up on his pulpit and to set out the call of God. But he knows that as we hear that call within our own hearts and in our own minds, we're going to be saying, boy, that sounds pretty tough. It's a bit of a stretch that's being asked for here. 
So if that seems undesirable to you, if you're struggling with that whole concept of the kind of calling and commitment that Jesus Christ lays before us, here's what you should do. Choose for yourselves, he says, verse 15, this day. If if the challenge seems too much, then choose for yourself today who you will serve. Whether it's going to be the gods of your forefathers, the ones they served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. See what he's saying? Look at the alternatives. Now, None of us are going to take seriously that the alternative for us is the gods of the Amorites or the gods that Abraham's ancestors worshipped beyond the river. But the principle that applies to us is if you're finding a struggle in making that complete commitment to the living God of the Bible, take a look at the alternatives for you. For if your life is not going to be at its very core about serving him, then what is it going to be about? A little bit of money? A little bit of sex? Gathering some friends? A lot of laughs? A shelf full of athletics trophies? Now, all of these are good in their place. But is there one of us here who could honestly settle for saying, That will be my life. You were made for something bigger than this. And you see, when Jesus Christ calls us to count the cost, we have to count the cost on both sides of the ledger. We have to count the cost of following, because it will be a very high price. But you have to count the cost also of staying behind. The living God calls you to this total exclusive commitment. And if you're finding that difficult, Joshua says, take an honest, cold, hard, long look at the alternatives. To be outside of his grace. To be outside of his promises. To be identified with those who go down at his coming. Face the challenge. And then the third thing. Make a decision. Make a decision. Look at it in verse 15. As for me and my household, says Joshua, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua exercises true leadership here. He draws a line in the sand and he says, let me tell you where it's going to be for me. As for me, I make a personal commitment To serve the Lord today. Whatever the cost, whatever the circumstances, and whatever the consequences, that is how and where it is for me, lying in the sand today. And then notice he says something else very fascinating, because he says, not only as for me, I'll serve the Lord, he says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In other words, he's saying that's not only how it's going to be for me, that's how it's going to be within the sphere of my influence, my household. Now, clearly, Joshua cannot make a choice to serve the Lord on behalf of his children. They, as they grow into maturity, have to make that choice for themselves. 
But what he can say is that within his sphere of influence, in the ordering of his family, the fundamental vision and value and the abiding commitment of this family will be to serve the Lord. And so he draws a line in the sand, not only for himself, but also for his family. Some of us need to do that too. And at the very heart of that commitment is this. The objective of this family, the objective of this father, this mother, is to raise this child in the knowledge of the Lord. So then, if my objective is that I am to raise my family in the knowledge of the Lord, then I must make commitments that move in that direction. Commitments to worship. Commitments to serve. Commitments to time at home. Commitments to pray. It's very interesting that immediately after the challenge is given and Joshua encourages the people to reflect on the alternatives and then he calls them to lay a, draw a line in the sand, you notice that immediately afterwards the people respond by saying, well, we will serve the Lord. Verse 16, far be it from us to forsake the Lord and so forth. And you get all this spiritual talk. These people, after all, have been 40 years in the desert. They've been raised there. They built the tabernacle. They're very, very religious people. And, uh, oh, far be it from us to uh, desert the Lord. Yes, 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 we're Christian people and all that. Joshua, you're preaching to the choir here. Of course, we're all going to serve the Lord. But when Joshua calls for a decision, he's talking about something deeper than words. More than words. And so he comes straight back at them in verse 19. This is extraordinary. He says, let me tell you something. You can't. It's not going to work. You say you're going to serve the Lord, but it's not going to happen. It's all very well making this pious commitment here in church on Sunday morning. It'll not work out in reality in life. Notice what he says, verse 19. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. And he will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Isn't that an astonishing verse? that disturb you that that's in the Bible? Did you know that there's a verse in the Bible that says God will not forgive your sins? Better work out what it means, don't you think? Look with me at verse 23 then. Very important to see what Joshua is saying here. Verse 23, throw away the foreign gods that are, present tense, that are right now among you. And you see, verse 23 comes after verse 19, and that's the whole point. What we've got in Shechem is a bunch of pious people who say, we will serve the Lord. Well, we'll stand up and we'll make that commitment. Joshua said, it's not going to work because you're hanging on to idols that are at the very center of family life. And don't talk about serving the Lord with your whole heart unless you're prepared to identify and throw out the idols. The things that have become bigger than God for you and for your family. 
You're listening to Open the Bible and a message called Divided Commitment, part of our series Faith with Questions. If you missed part of the message, you can always catch up by going to the Open the Bible website at openthebible.org.uk. There you can download a free MP3 file of any of the talks, or you can stream the messages from the website. Now let's get back to Pastor Colin with today's message, Divided Commitment. It's easy to say we will serve the Lord. The hard bit is to throw out the idols. But if you say, I'll serve the Lord and won't throw out the idols, it'll never happen. And Joshua's making the point that will simply not work. This commitment has to be more than words, he's saying. It has to be a commitment of your life. And simply saying, we will serve the Lord, will not save you. That's what we learn here. You have to throw out the idols, and if you won't throw out the idols, don't think that you're forgiven for keeping them. That's why the Bible says, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Because think about this, God never promises to forgive a sin that you won't forsake. It's a lot of nonsense to say, Lord, forgive me this sin, and I'm going to keep doing it. That God will not forgive. That's what Joshua is saying. So, make a decision. Face the challenge. Look at the alternatives. Make a decision. But if you're going to say today, we will serve the Lord, me and my house, then understand that that means going home and scouring the place for idols. That is to identify those things that I, we, have put in the place of God and to throw them away. Now, I want you to see in just a brief moment that this is much more than an isolated pattern in the book of Joshua. Because you see precisely the same pattern in the life of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He faced the challenge. Remember, he spoke about the cup, the cup that he took after the Last Supper. And the cup was a symbol of the sufferings that he had to embrace. The cup wasn't forced down his throat by some other person. He had to take the cup. And that was a picture of the fact that it involved a choice to take up that which the Lord had laid before him. And he had to wrestle with the awesomeness of that challenge. In the Garden of Gethsemane, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, Jesus said. And the intensity of that battle, thinking about what God was calling him to that would demand everything, was such that his sweat was like great drops of blood. The Son of God had to face the prospect of bearing the sins of the world, and he staggered, he staggered at the prospect. Father, if it be possible, let this cup be taken from me. But then you remember he looked at the alternative. This has been the plan of the Father and the Son since before the beginning of time. This is the will of the Father, and the very identity of the Son is bound up in it. To avoid the will of the Father would be a denial of who he is. And it would also be abandoning his people. The New Testament tells us that he endured the cross for the joy set before him. That means 
he looked at the alternative of letting us go and he couldn't do it. His mind was instructed by the scripture that says he will see of the fruit of the travail of his soul and he'll be satisfied. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Then he returns to the disciples in some great words of decisiveness. Arise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And in these words, the decision is not only made, but incredibly expressed. Judas arrives with a large crowd and swords and clubs, and Jesus says to him, friend, do what you came for. Now, I want above everything else that this morning will be, for some of us who've lived in a fog of confusion, a day of drawing a line in the sand. And so I want to ask these three simple and very obvious questions. Have you faced the challenge? God is calling you to more than a creed. He's calling you more to sign off and say, oh yes, I believe it. He's calling you to serve him with your life. That means that your schedule your business, your gifts, your talents, your money are the Lord's and the only question is how he wants you to deploy them. If you come to that place, he will show you what he wants you to do to become the man, the woman, the father, the husband, the mother, the daughter, the employee, the boss, the student, the athlete, the carpet cleaner that he wants you to be. And there are dimensions in every one of these. Have you faced the challenge? Let's not go on kidding ourselves as we open the Bible that Christianity is just adopting some set of beliefs and carrying on pretty much the same as everyone else. Have you faced the alternatives? Have you looked honestly at your own life? It's easy to live 20, 40, 50, 70 years and never do this. Have you looked honestly at your own life? And have you asked the question, can I live with holding back on Jesus Christ? And then have you made a decision? I don't just mean words, I I mean a decision in action. You draw a line in the sand, and then you take the first steps of practical obedience. We've identified a spiritual discipline in each of these Sunday mornings, and the spiritual discipline today is the discipline of obedience. That's where this brings us when we clear away this fog that comes from a lack of commitment. Draw a line in the sand, and you take the first steps of obedience. And you know how that happened right at the beginning of the church? God has given us an initial step of obedience for all those who are ready to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm Christ's, holy, completely. You know what it's called? Baptism. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached a simple message. Jesus is Lord. 
You've got to throw away whatever the surrounding culture puts in the place of God. Jesus is Lord. The people believed that message, many of them, and they said, well, what, what are we to do? What are we to do? And Peter said, here's the first thing. You've got to repent. You throw away the idols. You've got to get away from simply conforming to what the surrounding culture says is great. And be baptized. That's the first step of obedience. That's a way God gives you of drawing a line in the sand and of saying, from this day forward, my life is going to be one that is built on obedience to Jesus Christ. And here's the first step of obedience, just to show I'm serious. God calls you to a total irreversible commitment, and the way that you express that, God has given you the opportunity of expressing that in baptism, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's what you do. Not just words, it's actions. Then 3,000 people came forward and said, we're repenting, and we want to be baptized. Now, I know that some traditions of the church have adapted the practice of baptism and applied it to babies. And I want to be sensitive about that, but to make this single comment, I want you to know that that is not how it was on the day of Pentecost. And I want you to think about what has been lost through that change. You see, God gave to us a way of drawing an intentional line in the sand. And what has happened is that we've taken it from a line in the sand event to being a kind of passive event, something that is done to us, and we don't even remember it. The result is that many have lost the wonderful blessing of a day and a point where having thought it all through, facing the challenge, looking seriously at the alternatives, and processing it through to make a decision. There was a day rather like a wedding day is to marriage where we said, I will serve the Lord. This is who I am, baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, His servant, whatever the cost, whatever the circumstances, whatever the outcome. So, have you made that commitment? If you already know Jesus, I'm sure today's message was an encouragement to commit yourself again to follow Him wholeheartedly. But if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't yet committed your life to Him, that could change today. Open the Bible is able to remain online and on the radio because of your generosity. We want to send you Pastor Colin Smith's book, Six Hours That Changed the World, as a thank you for your regular monthly donation of £5 or more. Colin, how could someone best use this book? Well, the six hours that changed the world, of course, are the six hours that Jesus was hanging on the cross. And during that time, he spoke seven times. And each time he spoke, he gave an insight into what he was actually doing on the cross. So one way in which this book could be used is that you could read one of the sections in each of the seven days leading up to Easter. And that would take you into the heart of what Jesus was doing on the cross, what he accomplished, why he was there, and what difference it makes for you. And for families, this would be very simple. It would take about five minutes to read one of these sections. You could do that 
each day in the week leading up to Easter, and it would really help all of your family to see what it was that Jesus accomplished on the cross and why it changes everything for all who believe. Well, Colin's book is called Six Hours That Changed the World, and we'd like to send you a free copy as a thank you gift for your regular donation of £5 per month or more. You can find details of this offer and how to make your donation on our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and we hope you'll join us next time on Open the Bible. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. It is possible to have faith and not use it. Find out what that looks like next time on Open the Bible.